everywhere they go. Hello and welcome to episode 304 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper, and of course, Alex Jones. How is everyone doing today? It's a lovely Monday. It was a fantastic weekend and I'm glad to be here with all of you. I can honestly say I'm not as chipper as you, Sam. So, yeah. Alex, how are we doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm all right. Glad to hear it. Before we get into the football, let's get into the news of the week. Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. (laughs) Elf 2 is in the works, starring Lissandro Martinez. (laughs) 16 ways to change your life. Ivan Perisic explains how he feels better than ever at 50 years old. Emerson Royale, the Spurs star, has spent 800000 improving himself as a footballer. Now, if I asked you to pick out which one of those was a legitimate headline, <laughs> you wouldn't guess the last one, would you? <laughs> but anyway, the biggest derby in English football took place on Saturday afternoon, my biggest day of the year, and what a day it was. Arsenal went into the game being told that their place at the top of the Premier League was false, They'd lost their only true test of the season and had a lot of questions to answer. Now, it just so happens that Arsenal claimed an emphatic 3-1 win on the day and in truth, Conte was probably lucky the scoreline wasn't wilder. We had a lot of selection questions in the build-up, but of all the questionable players, Lloris, Partey, Zinchenko all started and then Smith-Rowe and Kuliszewski were ruled out in the week. Um... I guess first question, Alex. How confident were you going into the game? Um, probably about as confident as you can be going into the Emirates, going off previous track record with the form of the teams. I I thought it could have gone either way. Most likely going to be a draw. You sounded a bit more chipper last week, I must say. Um, <laughs> I got to the ground pretty early as we were worried about how the how the rail strikes would affect the traffic and everything else so i just had all this time to stew in my seat prior to the game which was the last thing i needed i'd had various dreams throughout the week which i'd not had about any game since the north london derby at the back end of last season which um no need to talk about um (laughs) i actually had one where i was in complete ecstasy benjamin white bags his first arsenal goal we've just got a passion overload which when he scores his first it's definitely going to be and then Richarlison scores like the scrappiest goal you've ever seen immediately after. I don't actually know how the result of the game ended, but I woke up sweating. In my seat, just before we get into the game, I had like a family sat next to me on the right. So I was questioning what they'd be like as a bunch. I had a bloke in front of me that came out with a bag of food that he'd bought in the ground. Now, TK, I think you've been to the Emirates. Mm. Do you know how much food you have to order for them to give you a bag I mean, how much money you're probably spending for that as well? You've remortgaged the house for a bag of food. Crisis averted, he was in the wrong seat, but the guy that replaced him looked like one of Tommy Hatch's goons. <laughs> he was doing wanker gestures towards the away end before he'd even got comfortable. He turned around and gave me a nod. I thought, that's good. He recognises I'm here for a scrap if needed. <laughs> um, heard about my jab. <laughs> 
I then, I was nervous about the game already. And he starts telling a story to anyone that would listen that he had a heart attack while watching a North London derby in the 90s after having, in quotes, too much of the good stuff as he tapped his nostrils. Um, (laughs) His wife now sends his daughter to keep an eye on him at matches. Um, He was just sat there in his seat turning to anyone that would listen and said, I fucking hate this lot. (laughs) I ate this game, but I love it. And I was like beating my chest ready. I was pumped up. I think it's the most I've chanted in a game in God knows how long because I felt the need to impress this bloke that I'm never going to see again in my life because of one nod that he gave me. But the occasion was getting to me. I was having doubts. I think I put on my Instagram before. I just wanted it over and done with. One more wanker gesture to the away fans and I was ready to follow this man into the trenches. <laughs> Motivate. We're jumping ahead. But like later on, he he was back standing up giving the Vs towards the away end after the Spurs equaliser. And he didn't get much back in. I think everyone was pretty irritated. Once half time hit, I saw him pull his phone out. He went on Facebook and went, I'm sat in the upper clock end. How some of these people got tickets, I'll never know. What is this sport becoming? with a load of exclamation marks because not enough people were prepared to uh, back his cause. But because of that earlier nod, I'm assuming I wasn't involved in that. <laughs> I was maybe a bit harsh on Gabrielle in the moment. But That's quite a twist on this guy's character that he has to take to social media at half time. <laughs> it's not quite well, yeah, the Tommy Hatcher image. I he's, got his, he's got his wife with him. He just, he just kept saying middle sex wankers and that was it. And enough people around him were like, yeah, go on, then, go on. <laughs> but anyway... Arsenal came flying at the blocks. We had almost all of the ball. Spurs sat even more disgracefully deep than I expected. We miss a few narrow chances and then Ramsdale makes a great save from Richie Lad, which I've since I think was offside, I've since learned from the free kick. Uh no, it wasn't offside. It wasn't. All right, that's um even better. But not too long after, our tetter ball is in full flow. 21 passes around a turgid Spursy midfield. The wing-backs are penned in once again. Bakayo Saka checks inside to Benjamin White, who lays it off delicately to Thomas Partey, who finally scores one. I think it was his 51st attempt from outside the area. Swept into the top bins with the inside of his foot. We were cooking. Now, Tika, I text you at half-time. I don't know your thoughts on this. This didn't feel to me like the Brentford game in terms of control. The danger was still there in the few times the Spurs did get out, but they were very wasteful. Um, Cunty Romero kept giving it away. The only time Perisic got past Saka, he hit the side netting. And any time Son managed to spin, he fumbled the pass. Martinelli had Romero boxed in. Kane was far too deep. But still, it felt like one pass was all it was going to take and uh, they could have a moment. Yeah, pretty well. By the way, on for the party goal on comms, I think Martin Keown was the most understated um, about a party shooting ability. Something about not known for it normally or something. Like, that's one way of putting it in mind. Normally there's a massive sigh whenever he goes to shoot in that ground. Yeah, I, I kind of saw it that way. I thought the way Arsenal started, you'd have probably wanted to be going in leading at halftime because it felt to me like Spurs were getting more comfortable in there. After the first 15 or 20, really, I thought... Spurs are starting to get a footing now and starting to establish a game where, okay, we're going to hit them on the counter at some point. I'm not going to have a lot of chances, but we're going to back ourselves that when we do get them, uh, we'll take them as this goes on. So, 
I couldn't believe they had Kieran on comms. Usually, and I don't know if Spurs fans will disagree with this, they usually go Spurs heavy for these because they've got Genus and he's one of their main guys. We were treated to Genus and, and got Glenn Hoddle. So that was obviously... F- Glenn Hoddle, was he around? No, I don't think he was. Oh, thank fuck for that. Maybe they didn't want a medical emergency there. But... Uh... <laughs> I've not heard the commentary from Keo, and um, I've dined out on as many Peter Drury clips as you could possibly uh, imagine. But yeah, that was that makes it even harder to stomach having Genus and Keo when you know someone is being tricked to Peter Drury. Yeah, um, Xhaka actually pressed higher than Jesus at various points and allowed, I said Jesus, Jesus. I felt like Jesus to pick up the ball deeper and drive us forward. We set up in this like five up top, so when you tried to get out you've got Party White, and Zinchenko in a line behind and just squeezed everything that Spurs did, which is why it was so frustrating when there were some shenanigans at the back. Gabriel makes a bozo move to chop down Richarlison and then Kane then steps up to take his eighth penalty in 14 North London derbies, which is several of those were questionable as we've gone into, but he tucked it away with what I thought was a pretty cowardly penalty. Straight down, put it in the corner like a real man. Like straight down the middle. Not even blasting it down the middle either. Let Ramsdale dive like a fool, didn't he? Read him. The issue is there though, isn't it? That if you do stand still, you look like a twat. Yeah, Ram- Ramsdale and- wasn't miles away from... He obviously leaves his hand out to get it. it was, I don't think it was... I think Kane would have had a split second when he thought, oh shit. The best keepers... Um- have their legs like flopping like a salmon, don't they? When they're uh, when they do the dive to the side, and I don't think Ramsdale's quite perfected that yet. Of all of the good things in his game, I, I don't often feel confident when it comes to a penalty. And, Not against uh, Kane, anyway. Well, maybe the fact Kane went down the middle tells me maybe he has a better record against him in training than we would we would uh, we would know, or just the fact he took one in midweek. Maybe I was thinking at least dive the same way. Um, but yeah, he done him and. Spurs would have been feeling very good, as we say, going into into the half. Spurs had their best period of game after this, Alex, um, a whole five minutes of being on top. How confident were you during half time? Uh pretty confident. Uh it was well, it <laughs> Talk was more to me. Than, it was more than five minutes. I thought Oh yeah, it's from the thirty seventh minute. Someone keeps clicking com- a mouse as well, by the way. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> I can hear that clicking. Um no, I, I thought um, I thought we, from that point onwards, we started to look a lot more threatening. I think you, as much as the stats won't show it, I thought we were much more creating a lot more chances and looking a lot more threatening, looking like we might nick one before the break. I thought as much as the compliments are going to go your team's way in the second half, there were moments of weaknesses that your team were, team was showing. If it, Like Saliba was your guy in the defence yesterday. And if he wasn't there... I'm pretty sure you would have conceded. Well, that's a quite a big thing. <laughs> you didn't have that bloody centre-back. No, because he... No, but what I'm trying to say is is that Gabriel was Royce. shit. Gabriel was shit. Well, he was good for every other moment Gabriel, by that one. Gabriel was shit. Ben White was... As much as you're going to try and praise Ben White, I didn't think he was offering... Are you joking me? Yeah. Ben White changes the game in the second half. Uh, in the second half, but in the first half, he showed a lot of defensive frailties. He played. He Christ played alive. You had played, one. You had one shot. Side. He played us on side for a chance twice. That one where Richarlison nearly got a foot to it and tucked it in. Ben was white. Was the guy who played him on side. I mean, and it was a bad, they call it in a bad, bad game. It was bad as well. 
And I don't think Zinchenko was offering much as well at that point. He didn't really come. I didn't even realise he was on the pitch until the second half. Um, I thought you're the only the all of your midfield was playing absolutely superbly, and of course your forwards were as well. Um, but I thought the standout bad performer in the first half for you was um, Odegaard. I, I thought he was rubbish. Jesus Christ, he, he was. He was. He, I, I thought he was anyway. Um, I, I thought he was giving the ball away quite a bit. He he wasn't really connecting with your front three, um, like anybody around him. I, I just thought he was getting bullied a little bit by Benton Kerr and Hoiberg. Well, the thing is, when when don't don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, like I. There were still vulnerabilities in that, even in the better spell that we had, we were still showing vulnerabilities. Um, and I would agree that it was as much as we know what how Conte was going to set up. And we've quite rightly said, you yourself have said that, you know, the way that we set up to play is the perfect counter for you. You know, it was just too much, too much in that direction. We, I think, ironically, I don't think. Son, Richarlison and Kane together work. And I know his hand may have been forced with Kudachewski being injured, um, which I didn't actually realise. I was wondering where he was. Um, but I, I think as much as those three are great players, I don't think they work well as a three together. I think you need Kudachewski who can offer you something in terms of holding up the ball a little bit and trying to create a little bit more possession and a little bit more ball control and creativity in your half of the pitch. Because if you do look, obviously, at the heat map of the player positions, even just in the first half alone, no, it's it, okay. does, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make for good reading, even if you take into consideration, all right, you're going up. If you're going up to play, you, 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 Conte set them up to just play on the counter. But there's only so much of that you can take. The Arsenal half um, is blue. Well, at, at, at the point when Party scores, our deepest player is Saliba and he's in Tottenham's half. Mm. There was a lot of talk pre-game about whether Arsenal should adjust the way they play and Arteta kind of ridiculed that and said, again, puffing his chest, we're Arsenal, we aren't going to change the way we play and that's come back to haunt us before. But on this occasion, I thought Tottenham actually probably adjusted the way they play. If anything, they were almost 10 steps deeper the first 20 seconds when we were attacking, I could not believe how deep they were. And I, oh, I disagree. I, well, I disagree. I don't think, I think if we carried on, I think we would have, if it weren't for some dickhead and, uh, and somebody who decided that now was the opportunity, this match was the opportunity to try lube on his gloves. Um, we're going to get into the second half. Then, don't you worry. <laughs> then we I think get- we might have, <laughs> We might have got somewhere. I think I think the opportunity to change it up was at half time a little bit because I think that there were spells um very early on in the uh, yeah, we're gonna go into the second half, I know, but there were we spells uh, spells in the second half early on where you started to sit back just a tad bit more, which negated any sort of build up to a counterattack that we were having. But yeah, go on, we're going into well, the second half. Yeah. So if we get into the second half I do want to apologise in advance here, Alex, because you are about to get cooked. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I think the phrase is, if you stand under the rim long enough, eventually you're going to get dunked on. And if we just go back to last week, just about every narrative you've tried to drive regarding the North London clubs this season has aged like milk. If we start with your agenda towards Gabriel Jesus, he cooked Richarlison 
Romero, just about every other defender on the field, constantly moving, constantly harrying, harassing. If he'd scored that goal after the run in the first half, I'd have had a goalgasm greater than anything Neville had <laughs> busted in the booth. <laughs> and he did all this while avoiding a booking. The agenda crosses over with your one about Ramsdale. Flawless. Showed what a modern goalkeeper is all about. Distribution like a Spanish flawless. playmaker. I wouldn't say flawless. He had a few really dodgy distributions in the first half. I think he we were definite... watching a different game. No, he he definitely had two dodgy distributions in the second in the first sorry in the first half. In the, when we were having a better spell, he distributed it out to the left hand side and gave it immediately back to one of our players and created another character. There were definitely some ropey moments. Ultimately, like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that Ramsdale didn't have a good day, game because he did. He made some critical saves. And he was all right most of the time, but don't don't sell him as this perfect Rolls Royce to goalkeeper. Who hasn't I'm mistaken. Gonna get he back to my made a couple of little dodgy mistakes here and there. My poetry here: uh, distribution like a Spanish playmaker, fantastic shot stopping, leading from the back. And if we compare that to that caveman you've got between the sticks, <laughs> how beautiful it was to see him fumble the ball like Kane fumbled his chance at a trophy with that death row contract. What the hell is he doing? Straight through him like his chest is made of wet toilet paper. Romero is just tapping his feet like he's midway through a cha-cha slide and the main man blasts it home, slides into the iconic North London derby celebration. You mocked it last week and you continued to push this claim that Hoiberg is better than Granit Xhaka. And I'm pointing at you down the screen now. I know the camera's not on, but I hope you can feel that. He was showing levels by Saturday's man of the match. He can't play a pass like Granite can. He can't shoot like Granite can. He can't control a game like Granite can. And frankly, you'd have a similar disciplinary record if Spurs weren't the darlings of the FA. All right, but that's... His I, goal... I can, I, I, can, I can talk about it. I could talk this talk to you about this like an adult but no no hold on hold on we'll, we'll get i've got some Hoiberg, questions for Hoiberg, you after Hoiberg, no 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 i'm going to answer i'm going to answer what you just said Hoiberg has got a lot more consistency than Xhaka you've got you've you've Nonsense. fallen you've you've fallen in love with Xhaka for all of five minutes again this season no he was good last after season the, after the predominant most of his career where he's been a shit show his disciplinary record is far worse for a reason and as much as he's had, as much as he's on the upward upward stream at the moment, it can easily go as shit south. Hoiberg, I know what he is. He does a certain job to a certain standard, he more stinks. reliably than Xhaka. If Xhaka, no, no, I'll, I'll give you this. If Xhaka continues to play like he is for the rest of the season, he's been playing hands, like it for a season down, hands down, already. Hands down, hands down, hands down. Hoiberg, he he, I will happily admit he is a better player than Hoiberg this season. But in terms of longevity, you don't get you don't get into longevity. Well, you don't. He's if you ask if you if you take the emotions out. So what's Hoiberg done? This longevity. What's he got? What's he got to show for it? Hoiberg. Hoiberg. He's been in the Euros team of the year. He's had a very (laughs) sick man. Look, look. He's he he's a he does a brilliant job for what he does. He just is limited in what he can offer a team. But it's like you know, Xhaka, You don't know what you're going to get. Some you don't. If if we're a month from now. If we're having a having a moan about Granit Xhaka because he's been sent off again and cost you a critical win or a critical point, I won't be surprised. And he's I been solid since Man City away this, last I don't think season. Anybody else in this pod? I don't think anybody else on this pod would disagree with me. Since Man City away last season, when he got sent off, he's been golden since then. <clears throat> I'm still not over you criticizing Erdegaard. By the way, you see, players give balls away sometimes when they're allowed to progress into the other half of the pitch. I, I when you're trying to play a pass I, I into the box, pass a row of six defenders. He didn't... He, didn't, he honestly... Look, 
I don't think he had a good first half at all. I thought he was bullied off the ball consistently. By who? I don't think, regardless of whether regardless of whether he was taken out of the game or not by the way that we were set up, it doesn't really matter. I don't think he had a good game. Hoiberg and, Hoiberg and Bentoncourt bullied him off the ball more than once. Jesus Christ. They barely touched it. Um, Xhaka's goal, by the way, there, there are a few noises more pure than the collective roar of the Emirates when a goal goes in on Derby Day. It is that moment in a film when a baby's been born and it's taking slightly too long to cry for the first time and that dramatic music kicks in and then you hear the tears start to come. That collective deep breath before the eruption and realisation that these bastards have been buried. Xhaka's goal, I was jumping up like I was the third member of Busted. Up and down. I had to sit down. I was out of breath. And I just knew they've been cooked. And I was picturing you sat there with your head in your hands, shaking your fist at the screen. No, not again. Not him, not Granite Xhaka. Because you knew the agenda was done. It was over at this point. And let's talk about Benjamin White. Because you spoke down in him last week and in the weeks prior to this podcast. And then you see the calm, collected, dominant display down the right-hand side, pocketed last season's golden boot winner. You look at Eric Dyer being sent for a hot dog by Granite Xhaka. What more needs to be said when comparing these two? Romero, I hope the conversation's done with him, by the way. Let's not talk about him as the third best centre-back in the league or whatever whatever nonsense I was hearing throughout the last season. All I've heard is he's this master of the dark arts. He isn't. He's just tried bullying a few easy targets like Harry Maguire. White, White put Kane on the weight so bad that he tried a snide little kick out on Gabriel and then legged it when Saliba came over. Saliba looked Romero in his eyes yesterday and I don't think he wanted it. He hid. He hid when Xhaka was going through him and Dyer tried taking out on each other. The Rolls Royce Saliba gliding through pressure more than your attackers did, actually. Richarlison, Richarlison, the times he had Zinchenko pinned one on one, the guy in our defence you would want to take on one on one. And he's passing it backwards. You're telling me he's Brazilian. I don't know if you saw the conspiracy theories about him on Twitter yesterday. This was all of your chickens coming home to roost. You talked down on Arteta last week, a man in his first management job, that just put your bolding, match-fixing manager in a box. If Royale's foul on Martinelli was a cry for help, the only player stupid enough to commit a cynical foul with his studs, by the way, then his substitutions matched that. Three went down in the North London derby and you're throwing in the towel like that. Are we talking about... It's one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen in football. I think you need to grow up a bit. How did you feel when that substitution was made? This was a no mass. This was Conte saying, I've had enough. How are you going to take off essentially every important player outside of Kane? Are we skipping skipping over the Royale blunder? No, no, I've got a question for you. I just wanted the substitutions. Imagine if Jose did that. Imagine if Nuno did that. You lot would be having fits. I, I... 
I honestly don't get what your fascination is with this. You're three one down. You've got a you got to go for game. it. You've got a Champions League game on Tuesday, with which is which I appreciate. You probably don't know how that feels this season. Uh, the, um, yeah. oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't talk down in the Europa to, League because the way it's to, going, you'll be joining he, us. He he chose the players that he took off the pitch were a player you want to save the legs of, and a few other players who, who clearly who clearly. Um, you you took off a few players who you could clearly see doing something stupid and getting another red card off the pitch. He knew what was going. He made whose legs? Whose legs are you on about saying, saving? I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's the. Not, I'm not saying it was the right decision or the wrong decision. But I'm saying I completely understand that he chose right. This game's done with. I need to think about the game next. I need to think about the game on Tuesday. I'm going to get a few of these key guys off to save the legs. We'll live what legs? They day. were penned in stationary. They weren't running. You barely got in a half. You, it, the game was done at that point. Vincent Royale had fucked us over and gave us no chance. Put us in a position where there was literally no chance of us getting a getting another goal after the third one. I completely understood the decision to make those five subs and get them all off. With I it though, Alex, the, that team with the way I, I that think, sorry, you, no, go on, go on. Go with on. the way that you you were playing, so you, it was essentially your your game plan relied on us making mistakes and we did make one to get you back into it but it was soak us up and then you rely on almost a perfect final ball to play you in having one man less wasn't changing that you could no, have taken I, off one no, attacker and it, you could have left Kane and Richarlison up top it, it was it was leaving us vulnerable because I think even when we went even when we went forward um and I just think Clearly, we weren't. Clearly, when we did go forward, we weren't taking our chances. Um, and when on the odd on the odd moment in those few chances where you then counters countered our counter, we looked really, really vulnerable at the back. I think he just wanted to get those five subs on, go more defensive, and like not not concede any more. Because the thing that hurts more than three one is any more goals after that, and it could it was a quit on that way. So the match was done at that point. The Vincent Royal sending off killed the game. It was done. It was done. It was survival after that. I don't think. And she Vincent. You know, you. you hmm? We said Vincent. Are Royale. they boys? Has no, he got a nickname for no, him? We don't know. No, no. Royal. I did say Vincent. I think that was a different one. Um, but yeah, the the Royal sending off killed the game for us, and it was it was going to always be an uphill battle from that. He gave him. He gave him until. The third goal went in, and then he made that decision to rotate. And I, I don't blame him for the decision. I don't hold it, hold it, hold it against him. Plus, he probably realised that he may kill some of these players in training the next day with how much he's going to make them run. So he's got to give well, them a fighting he, chance. At the maybe league. he could have had him run on the pitch and actually press, but rather than sit down on the edge of their area. The whole thing when Conte came in, and in pre-season we heard about this grueling training sessions. You didn't press. You just sat back the whole time. No, that, and I think. I hope he does the runs with him, at Ten Hag. I, I think I, I don't know whether having. I don't know whether having Kudelski out. I, I no, think we're not blaming all this on Kudelski. We had Smith no, no, Rowe no, out. No, no, no. I'm. So what I'm was it? Then? It's, it, it's the thing. What, what? What's your what's your conclusion with this? Because you seem overly shocked that a Conte team away at Arsenal was defensive. I, I, no, I don't quite know where you're never surprised. There's a difference. The whole it's, it's thing was usually... Because, because baffling, because it's baffling, because last week he was saying that literally the way that we set up to play them is the mm. perfect counter for them. And he's well, got yeah, I thought... And now he's acting like it was a tactical stupidity. No, 
I thought you'd sit like, in deeper. I thought you'd sit like, in deeper, but there was no pressure on the ball I, at all. Ironically, the, the simple way that I'd sum up this North London derby for us is we set up, we set up in a way that we were going to set up. Arsenal set up in the way that we they knew they were going to set up. They were aggressive from the outlet, and that gave the that gave the absolute impression that they were completely dominating the game. They go one up, we counter, then control the rhythm of play until the second half. Second <laughs> seven half minutes. Out. Se- second half, it was more than seven minutes. Uh, second half, I've the said second that half, second half, <laughs> it's the first, the first few minutes again is tough for us. And then Vince will, we, this is killing me. I don't know where that's coming from. I, I don't know what no it's it's, it's Pulp Fiction, isn't it? With Vincent and the Royale. Is that, he's, he's combined that. Uh, that's, I don't know why that's stumbled in my head. But anyway, but you set uh, up not to lose, we set up to win. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's, no, you, no, no, we didn't lose. We didn't lose. We set. There's up pressing. We, they're we standing up, off. We set up to beat you in the way that we know we can, and did yeah. at the end of last season. So no, well, yeah, when we had see, half a team out. I don't see. I don't see what you're surprised about because traditionally you would sit in deep a Conte we, side. We, if, if that, if please that do talk over each other. If Royale if Royal didn't get sent off, I could have easily seen us nicking a second goal back in the game <laughs> and ending two two. But honestly, like right. that, that could have that's my stop. Happened. I gotta get off there. Sorry. Well, because Conte keeps saying this is where the game changed. The game, the game had already gone. Um, the second <laughs> no, half, Spurs, not. Spurs didn't no, come out for not. the second half. And no, there's there is difference. Usually, what I would expect from Conte is I would expect him to sit in deeper. Fair enough. I'd expect him to try and play on the counter attack, but I'd expect him to actually hurry and try and win the ball back. And but it wasn't. It was just standing off, and so there was never too many opportunities to counter attack. At least as many as I'd expect, because it was just so slow. There was no. There was nothing fast. But there was no winning the ball. That, that that's what I was trying. It relied on us missing. I'm assuming that wasn't the plan, though. He doesn't go in right, what? lads. Don't show any intensity, and every time you get on the ball, misplace the pass. I'm pretty sure. I think that's weird, yeah. though, because no, for what every was, player to not press. What I was trying and to say. Up for his unit, with, to be the what what I was trying to say with Kudelski not being in the team is you've got Richardson, Son, and Kane all offering you kind of the same thing in on that match day. I think if you throw Kulicheski in instead of Son or Richarlison, you at least get a little bit more structure when you do gain a little bit of possession. And then that can help speed on the, the counter-attack a little bit more. Whereas when you're just being starved of any possession whatsoever and you're just focusing on your positional your positional awareness and just keeping the formation tight, it you, you just I just think Chelsea could have offered a little bit more in the way of time once you gain a little bit of possession. I, I think he would have been a bit more of an answer. I think it's a system at the moment where his only option to make it work well in games like that is you have to play it. I'm not saying, like, in all honesty, there's enough quality in our team that we shouldn't, we, we should have been in it at 2 2. We should have got, got 2 2, but you've got some dickhead who where? decided that it was a good decision to make a ridiculous challenge. All of which I don't know what he was expecting. I don't. Like, so you do think it was a red? No, no, no. I did think it was a red. Hundred okay. percent, it was a red card because I, I literally he's such. What one thing? The only positive thing that can come out of this match is that I hope he realizes that Royale is not somebody that he can trust in big games whatsoever. Because he even when when you're when you're in a match like that and you're struggling to get up there end of the pitch, he offers you a bit of pace, he can take the ball up and his crossing is all right, but nothing's better. Well, I mean, that's his the kindest his all right I've ever heard. 
<laughs> the, the defensive the defensive liability that he is is on another level and when he's got something like that stupid challenge in his locker why on earth you trust him why on earth he's not being thrown out of the starting 11 in matches like that i have no the idea. only positive in the alternatives martinelli he he martinelli had in oh. like i don't even know why he tried to even tackle martinelli once because it's just point important martinelli like i know you're going to big him up but I mean, Vince Roy, 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 Royale. We got to stop calling his name. We've got to stop Roy, Royale. Roy, 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 Roy yeah, that's Roy it. We'll keep it to surnames. Royale like can make any any right any winger look like a Rolls Royce. I, I, I think you know Martinelli played well, but he just capitalised on ultimately what was a shit performance no, from a it, shit player. It happened down both sides. Um, Vincent Saka was um, <laughs> getting a Perisic. And he was cooking him as well. The, sec- the, the big change in the second half was essentially we had five going up in the first half. And I saw this broken down on, um, what's his name? Michael Cox. Ben White was pushed forward in the second half and we had an overlap down there. And almost every chance we had, the game, if you wanted to make it as simple as possible, Conte looked at Dan Zinchenko's flank and saw that as the weakness. Arsenal looked down Royale's flank and saw that as the weakness. And so the ball was switched immediately anytime both sides got the ball to try and attack down that side. It just so happens that Zinchenko is better than Emerson Royale and the guys alongside him are. I think it's pretty cowardly for Spurs fans to just pin this all on Royale like the rest of them were keeping them in the game. When is Romero going to start getting stick from Spurs fans? The bloke's available hardly any of the time. He's a liability when he is on the pitch. He should have far more bookings and red cards than he is. And... Spurs should have had less hype coming into this game. It was only cheating past Chelsea that had them hanging on, talking about them winning. Look, they're winning while they're not playing well. That's not the case. This is how well they play. This is their standard. And we saw at the end of the day, sometimes football has to win. And in this uh, occasion, Jamie O'Hara said in midweek, Conte has Arteta's number. Not quite the case, is it, Alex? Well, he nearly did, and he did last season when it mattered. So we'll see. First, first, first battle goes. A lot to of players, lot of players first, injured. First, first battle goes to you this season. But luckily for us, there's another match in the season, and just like last year, we'll see where we are then. Yeah, we didn't have any uh, dodgy refereeing calls. Actually, I thought he was a bit favourable to Spurs, if that. anything. Still, still not over that then. Still, still being a little. Well, bit I mean, this this one was clear, clear this penalty. one was it was an even game till the man was sent off last year when a player was sent off by half an hour. It was a Conte masterclass. No, it was a game. It was a game. It, it was a game that was playing out exactly how we thought it might until <laughs> ascending off. One one shot on target from open play in 90 minutes is how don't, don't the game was supposed to, to be like going. That. When you know we... Don't throw a show... Like the Rich Arlerton chance where all he had to do was get a little bit more weight on it. No, he, he didn't even... He barely made contact with it. He got a little bit more weight on it. It would have been 2-1 to us. So don't... don't that Jesus. doesn't count as a shot on, shot on target, but it was damn nearly there. So, got, I don't, you know, I know, I know you're... I know obviously you're very happy, but Christ, turn it down a little had, bit. Anybody would have thought you won the league. You've got a long way to go yet. No, um, although I do know what that feels like. Um, Jack, you I did, don't know if you, you saw the refereeing display on Saturday. Um, a referee we're both a big fan of, Anthony Taylor, actually. And uh, I thought there was a couple of instances in the first half where Eric Dyer was um, <laughs> faking the so protocol hard. of head injuries. 
the man's been gifted a red card and he's still crying about the ref. I can't believe it. I know. I just he, want he, consistency he, the whole he, way through he, because he, Kane again. He's like full of shit. Kane you can't believe you won the game. <laughs> Stop crying. You've won. I don't he just would, he would, he What would, are you complaining honestly, about? Honestly, honestly, we won't talk about this. They should have had less men. We won't talk about Saka dive and the Odegaard who should have had a yellow card. But yeah. What was the Odegaard? The Odegaard one where he's booted by Romero. very simple. When was the Saka dive? He just wants consistency. Consistency, which is entirely decisions in my favour and not for you. No, as long no as issue with the penalty. Good for me. Yeah, because as long as it's consistently good for Arsenal. Then no, yeah. no issue yeah. with the penalty. No issue oh, with that, the penalty. Is, when was this no, Saka Dyer? That, <laughs> that is big. When was big this Saka? Because we should have had a penalty when Dyer boots Jesus. There we go. I know it's fine. Absolutely not. Go, grow up. When grow was up. this Saka Dyer? Genuinely, I've tried looking for it today. I can't. I, I, it was at some point in the, it was some point in the first uh, half, and it did exist somewhere. I've got a weird if feeling you both time, could be talking if shit. I, if, I the, if I had if I had the time if I had the time to look back through the match, which I might do actually to find it because he did throw. Well, make yourself to around, treat more than once. Treat yourself season. to some good football. This, I thought Spurs were going to press more, as I've pointed out. I looked at the analytics before the game, and I saw a stat which I'd not seen until probably the last fortnight called pitch tilt. I don't know if anyone else has seen this. Is essentially sounds like what's happened to you. Yeah, the idea, the idea of a seesaw and how much you're in your own half determines the tilt. Tottenham <laughs> have the worst. Tottenham have the worst tilt in the Premier League. They spend more time in their own half, their average positions, than the three relegated sides. Funny that, funny that, because that's exactly, it's almost like that's exactly how Conte... That's, but that, but that isn't sustainable in this league. In this league, <laughs> now, you you you're talking about a manager who's won the Premier League playing this very style of football. So I mean, the man, on, the, man, the, the, up. the man has Cesc Fabregas, he didn't have Benton Core. The issue with Spurs... You can spin this narrative all you want, but ultimately also, there is absolutely... I'm trying to have a sensible also, discussion here, Alex. But, sensible discussion. But also the... If you think that is ultimately not successful, surely that's fantastic for you. It is. Yeah, yeah. But this the, the way, and look, maybe this is, uh, by all means, enjoy the win. But some of the stuff I've seen with Arsenal about their style of play, I would get if you if they'd held you to a draw or frustrated you. But you won. You won pretty comfortably. I've seen a lot of criticism of the style of play. I think, Cigars outlets, it's great fun. If they want to I do don't that, like the praise they're getting. I don't like the praise they're getting. Yeah, yeah, you can't have any praise. We know that. It's all got to be in favour of us and nothing for them. But the, I, I think that style of play is going to win them a lot of games and cost them in a few more. And that's probably what they are, isn't it? They don't have the quality that Look. other Conte teams have had where they won the league. So they're not going to be able to hold up. They don't have the defensive qualities that those teams had. So this is what they're going to be. This is great news for you. I, I, I was speaking to Sean after and, I'm a very level-headed Spurs fan. Short memories, your football was gashed till about the start of this year. So let's just get it all But right. we, we acknowledge that. We aren't seeing the Spurs. The Spurs fans are think they're going to win a league doing this. Um, they're going to win they're winning cups winning this and you're not going to do they it. Might nick Arteta, it, was his, they might. it was his first It was his first job in management and he played like it for a season and then we started changing and changing it's and changing. It's more the... Uh, Conte, Conte lives and breathes this it, football. He's, he's a disgrace. It's the snobbery that I find just a little bizarre. He's done it to United as well. And that's just a bit weird. Oh, it's Look, if I ask any Spurs fan, maybe Alex aside, how they would want their team to play, I just can't wrap my head around wanting to see this. That football. style is result. You have to win. You have to be successful. You have to get a trophy. You have to achieve your aims. 
So it's, it's all going to be on that. In a Same derby, as, though. You know, as, as Jack, Tuchel will always find if he can win you the Champions League, if the success dries up, it's probably a tough, bit tougher on the eye. I mean, I, I mean, I can speak on the, the Conte side of it mm, as well. Yeah, yeah. Because literally, in part, him winning the league versus him not, it was a very different mm. watch. It's It was that substitution that's just really rubbed me up the wrong way. You thought you were going to give him a hide and you were annoyed he stopped you, weren't you? Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling I myself... I thought Arsenal were going to stick it I on I thought we were it. as well. Um, and Arteta, I, I don't know if they showed this um, on TV, there was a chance, I think Fabio Vieira could have played Martinelli yes. in and he shot. Yeah. Arteta went absolutely berserk. <laughs> and I thought, if that's at 3-1... We've got one manager who's going for the going for the throat here, and one manager is waving a little white flag, saying, "Don't don't moan Arteta afterwards." Shaka near the end, he won a throw in that he kicked off Romero, and then he just pointed at him to the fans and stuck his tongue out like something on the playground. <laughs> and I saw this little tough boy from Argentina. He just didn't know what to do with himself. And it was a beautiful day. It was beautiful. I mean, we'll get on to the Liverpool game after. That helped afterwards. Don't have to. It's but fine. We can we can carry on on this. It's all right. It's- maybe the highlight, Ben White being subbed off. Richarlison, was it Richarlison at that point? One of their horrible players <laughs> trying to push him off to go up the nearest sideline as if they didn't want the game to be over with. The few Spurs fans that were remaining, by the way, terrible, terrible fan base abandoning the team when the manager's doing that. And they're trying to give Ben White some stick. He lifts up the 3-1, tells them to hold that, and it's just over. <laughs> to hear an Arsenal fan call our fan base terrible after the shit shows that we see some of your club... 3-0 down honestly. At, in oh, the North fine. London oh, derby, and they so, stayed oh, into oh, the very end. On. Let me go back to the last North London derby before this. I'm pretty sure every Arsenal fan stayed in the stadium. They did. Will their team on for the 3 0 defeat? They did. I'm sure they did that. I'm really. You're sure. actually not allowed out of Spurs on time either because well, they're fans of Fugs. Newcastle, and Newcastle as well. I'm pretty sure every Arsenal fan stayed. They oh, did. Because no, you're stuck at the top of the stadium. They didn't stay because they fucked off. They, they did. Lost the I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not I sure what you're expect, referring to. I wouldn't to, expect yeah. you to understand the rotation of the team considering the game's gone to focus on a Champions League game midweek. I wouldn't expect you to understand that, but. It's fine. Don't oh, worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Well, you, you best win. You best win on you Tuesday keep then. This narrative. See where keeps spinning this narrative. We'll see where it gets you in the second game of the season. I thought when you come to White Hart Lane, and we'll see where it gets you then. Because last not called White Hart Lane, you still can't sell those naming rights. I'll tell you what. This this defeat this defeat hasn't been as hard to swallow as it was last year for me. It yeah, it's fucking horrible. Don't get me wrong. You had Nuno, but the 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 lovely taste of that victory last season and then watching you get dicked by Newcastle at the end of last season is going to see me through for some, some time. I mean, uh, if I, no, if I, my team wasn't winning trophies, that's no, probably no. what I'd have to dine out on as we've well. Long, see, the, the beauty, the beauty of, the, the beauty, the beauty of being at this time of the year is we've still got a long, long season ahead and a lot we have. between now and the end of the year. So we'll see where you are at the end of the year. We'll Conte see, might we'll join see, Juve we'll before then. The second, we'll see where the second leg, bring, we'll see where the second match brings us against Wyatt Lane. We'll see, we'll see how smirky you are then. I think we'll be at, 10 points clear by then, maybe? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. When is the second game? Not clue. 
Real shame that. But uh, but normally you like to get matches cancelled and deferred and special treatment, <laughs> so it could be at any point. So we won't go into that though. No, no. Um, Spurs actually had more games cancelled than anyone, which we've done before. But Alex, no, I don't want to stay on this game any longer. Matters. If you're going to force me to, no, it's fine. You you carry on. You carry on. We can move on. Any final comments on um, Richarlison? Uh, Disgrace. No, just uh, just to reiterate, he doesn't. His son, him, and Kane can't start together. I don't think that system works. One shot on target for open play in a dark. Son was a disgrace. <laughs> Terrorist in bad. charge. Some was bad. But there we go. Let's Let move go on. Derby weekend. Manchester City demolished. Any? Okay, I was thinking about anything more to cover on the uh, North London derby, but maybe we'll come back to it. Manchester City demolished Manchester United 6-3 at the Etihad yesterday for the highest scoring Manchester derby ever. Now, the score didn't necessarily tell the true story of the match and it ultimately proved quite flattering for United, which is mental in a game where you've conceded six. Hmm. Harland and Foden combined for City's six goals, each scoring a hat-trick, while Anthony and Martial did their best to prevent United from total humiliation. After wins over Liverpool and Arsenal this season, United fans turned up, and I think they did fancy something, particularly after Rodri wasn't in the starting lineup. but any hope was gone after about eight minutes. I think City had 15 shots on goal in the first half. They were 4-0 up at that point. Now, Ten Hag had his strongest team available to him. Guardiola, as I said, Rodri out, Ake and Akanji at the back, but City were still far too strong. Haaland missed his chance to open his account for Man City against Liverpool in the Community Shield, TK, if you can remember back that far. Mm. Was this him saying, well, essentially proving that he can do it against more than just uh, what we consider the lesser sides in this league? Maybe you put United in that bracket, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I would. They've beaten us. It's tough, tough spot for me to be in now. Um, the the whole uh, sort of approach from City felt like they said, right, we're going to lay down a marker here. We're going to make a statement. We're going to remind people that we're the boys. And United might think they can get seven in these derbies and we're not going to give them a sniff. And it was, it was brutal at times. In that first half, you just... The levels between the two teams is, was scary. Yeah. Um, the big question pre-game was how Haaland was going to fare against one of the borrowers. Um, <laughs> and we saw endless Will these ever run of their up? game. Sure. <laughs> no, I have a little note section in my phone, actually, just to ruin the illusion. We've got plenty that you can just go back on a second lap with and we'll just keep going. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, some are kind of skirting on the edge. So if we get there, we get there. <laughs> um, yeah Jack did this one go as expected after you saw that compilation on Twitter of a game I think two years ago in the Champions League <laughs> Dortmund Ajax did that fill you with confidence that uh, little Lissandro was going to hold out uh, and keep Haaland uh, the opposite of busy no ab- absolutely not no I, I look at it and I think even with their kind of upturning fortunes recently United you just can't see anything other than an absolute dominant kind of performance from from City. The problem is with Haaland, I don't know what it is. Everyone's just terrified of him. Just every single person. Um, and that's something that you can't really get past. Everyone's already just conceded a hat-trick to him before they mm. even started. He needs to face Saliba, doesn't he? 
that's kind of scary. Um, it, it, it's weird. It's it's kind of like it's not even like messy levels because, and I'm not saying he's better than oh, no. way, I'm just saying with Messi, <laughs> with Messi, you knew he was going to score. Uh, it was just kind of how, how many goals can you keep it down to? Could you get a few kicks in? Could you drag him down? Can you play a bit of this? Play a bit of that. Holland just seems to pop up in the right places. So even when he's not doing it himself, he's being found by just Kevin De Bruyne. So I don't really know what you're going to do with him, apart from just let him score hat tricks every game. Well, TK, Casemiro remained on the bench behind Scott McTominay. Does this tell us that he wasn't the manager signing because he is going to ride out for every penny of that contract and it is going to be beautiful to watch? Yeah, that's that's rough, isn't it? And, and again, where everybody was talking about the fact Ronaldo didn't come on, which I thought was a really redundant debate. I, I couldn't believe it was being had, but look, there, li- there lies in the problem that you've got him lying around. Um, yeah, the Casemiro one was, was odd. That would have been the game you thought was made for him. So whether he's just not up to speed yet, not to fitness, that's the only thing. Other than that, yeah, you'd say not the manager's signing. On the subject of Haaland, I thought this game also showed his all-round game that I thought it's been a little bit bizarre that people have basically just labelled him just a finisher anyway because, look, that is his yeah. bread and butter. But if that's the suggestion that he can't link up play or he can't you know, be physical or hold the ball up, this game put pay to that because that ball for Foden for the one is just absolutely perfect. He's, the way him and De Bruyne link up as well, there's sort of moments where they make other world-class players just look ordinary. You have someone like Bernardo Silva just looks like another guy compared to what these two do. It's scary. Yeah, I think he said before he'd even kicked the ball, if we can get on the same wavelength, then I've got no excuse. And it's been immediate, hasn't and, it, those two? Yeah, it seems to be playing out that way. Um, Alex, um, Kevin De Bruyne and... Bernardo Silva essentially drifted to the flanks, stretched United's midfield as far apart as possible and just left Christian Eriksen and McTominay too far apart in the middle while Foden and Grealish hugged the touchline and had their way with Dallow and Malassia. How successful can United be with Eriksen and McTominay as a midfield too? Because when Casemiro signed, we all but assumed McSauce would be the casualty and we'd get Fred Casemiro Eriksen. I'm not. I'm just really not sure. Um, right. I, I don't think that's the way they set up at the weekend with those two. I don't think it works at all at the moment. I think they're missing something, and I don't ask me what it is. I think Ericsson, for all the quality that he's got, I don't think he offered hardly anything at all. It's almost not fair weekend. putting him in that game against City. You can play those no. two in, in different games, and it's worked. But it's bordering on naive to put him in against. Let him mark in Harland. Yeah, I mean. And, it, and he's obviously to blame for Foden just wandering into the box on his own for that first goal, which is, is unforgivable on his part. You, you'd have seen it coming. If you'd said, right, McTominay's going to be the only midfielder with sort of defensive instincts in this midfield, it's like, well, they're in huge trouble then, aren't they? Because, and as I would have guessed going into this game, Ericsson and Bruno were just fucking passengers. And at some point, we're going to talk about Bruno. At some point, well, I don't because know. he just... There's only so long he can be carried through these games before we go, we're going to turn the gun on you. I don't know if you ever read that interview he did with The Athletic. And he says in there, you've never seen me strop my hands at at one of my teammates. He said, if I do it, it's at myself. 
he was dropping himself a lot yesterday, if that's the case. <laughs> and a lot of the times when the ball was nowhere near him. He is just, in the nicest uh, possible words I can use, he's a real piece of work, he is. I saw one of those many Twitter things you see after. I mean, Sancho always gets that picture of truth. <laughs> I saw like one of that. just this, this rat nibbling at some cheese saying Bruno versus Man City. He is... I, I was going to say I've never seen a more unlikable player in this league and I've just spoken about Richarlison, Son and Kane. But he's up there and he seems to be universally disliked whereas Son does still manage to sneak by. Um, yeah, even United fans don't seem to like him too much anymore. When was the last time you thought he's been really, really well? Where he's looked like a top midfielder. It's a long time now. Even games, it's not like he's been bad the whole time, but a game where you thought, right, this is a top level player. I'm not, you know, you go into games, I'm, not, I'm happy for United to be playing it. I'm not worried about that. I thought he had a good game against us, actually, at Old Trafford last year. And if it's the game I'm thinking of, he scored a nice goal, banged into the roof of the net. Other than that... He was good against us. To be, but it was just not that level when he, he first be, came in. You know, okay, this guy yeah. looks like he could take this lead by storm. Well, it showed the character of the man when he's dragging down Nicolas Pepe, who, if you're dragging yourself down to his level, then you're having issues already. I wondered why they they were being compared differently when one had got off to the start they did and one had got off to the start they did. I also think he must have been seeing a different online space because I haven't seen Nicolas Pepe getting away with much. It tends to just him getting dragged. Um, Guardiola's strategy meant that in the 29th minute, Ake is able to run 40 yards up the pitch unchallenged. What what was United's game plan? Because the counter-attacking game usually means pressing high, or at least on the halfway line, as we've just discussed in the last game. But I, I don't know what he was trying here, because or whatever he did, it wasn't working. I do think part of this as well stems from the guys at the front. I thought Rashford and Sancho had zero intensity about them. If you contrasted that to the game against Liverpool, they were right at it. They could just see... Even we're going to talk from about Sancho. Mo- from their movements, they were just on it. They wanted it. In this game, it was casual. There was jogging. They were, they they basically accepted their fate, which, look, City have done do that to teams. As Jack said about Haaland, City as a team kind of do this. Well, you kind of... Teams have given up before they've even played them because they know how good they are. Yeah. But in a derby, you show, at least show a bit for it. And you watch that front three and thought, they're not pressing at all they're not showing for the ball when United did get on it on the rare occasions and so it all falls backwards then the midfield can't get any control and the defence is shaky so it's it all stems from there Do you agree Alex? Do you have to show a bit in a derby? <laughs> Sorry easy. Similar thing though you say about like their lack of intensity of the press I think that was like a decision that Spurs made I think one the guys at the front didn't show it and then once he does it and the other team's taking control and they're a good team like Arsenal and obviously Man City are, it's hard to then get it back. I would say at least Spurs did one or the other. United didn't either. And yeah, it didn't look like they had for a plan. All, for all that I'll say about Arsenal, it is a lot different defending against us than it is defending against this Man City side. But there are still certain things where we've seen it where you can see what a team's trying to do and you can pinpoint and say, he made the mistake there. And that's where it fell apart. With City and United yesterday, you were just looking all over the pitch. And if you were saying that we thought Arsenal could have put a few more past Spurs, when I said we want 10, there was a point where I genuinely thought that was a realistic possibility. 
unfortunately not the case. With Ten Hag, you can come in with a set of ideals, but if you don't have the players, you can't necessarily implement it immediately. And this was just naive, wasn't it, coming to play against Man City like this, being so open. The weird thing being, he's in these games where he's got the results post-Brentford, he's done it by being more pragmatic and realising we can't just open up. So that sort of naivety, you'd thought he'd kind of overcome that. And yet it was kind of like he fell back into it in in this game. I imagine he'll sort of correct it by the next game. It almost felt like they accepted that anything we can get from this is great. If not, on to the next one. He blamed the result on belief. Not a million miles. There's a lot of different reasons why they're not beating Man City. But yeah, I don't think their team believed they could win that game from what we saw. I think uh, that's just a standard, a manager who's lost response, who's shown a bit of charisma. I don't think you'd read too much into that comment. Well, he did make another comment, which we'll get onto in just a second. It's one of the worst I've heard in quite a while. When Martial scores his header, you see the one United fan, and it's it's a reaction I do hate in sports, and you see it where a team scores one after being however many behind and people sarcastically celebrate. <laughs> I don't want to see that anywhere near me. Just keep your head down. Or maybe shout and say, where was this 20 minutes ago? There was audible laughter in clips you can see from the Etihad yesterday. Laughter and pity when United get a goal back. Just sunning them. There was a lot of talk at the weekend about what the biggest derby was. The one where, I think you retweeted similar, one where the one team hasn't been actively cheering for their rival multiple times in the last few seasons is probably a good place to start. Yeah, that, look, that kid got flack for changing into a city shit at half time, but look, <laughs> that's what most of that fan base have been doing for the last few years, just been whacking a city shirt on whenever things got a bit yeah. tough. So, read what you sow, boys. In, in the Battle of the Bums, Grealish dunked on Sancho and did not let him back up. <laughs> this seemed to be a turning point for United fans. That's quite a compliment you've paid him there. Yeah. Well, in fact, I asked in a couple of group chats, I was thinking about getting my brother a United shirt for Christmas and which name to get on the back. And I asked a couple of United fans, like, who do United fans actually like? Surprises so I look at this it. squad and think, who the hell? Well, I've got the same for the last <laughs> however many years and he's not a good enough brother that he listens. I've... I've looked at them and I said, There's, there can't be many in there that you actually do like. And a couple of United fans said Sancho. And I was thinking, surely not. Like, <laughs> is this like, is this like the people that stuck around with Pepe for a while? Like he's going to come good at some stage. I'm not going to turn my back on him. Mentalists, because this guy, him and Anthony, Anthony scored a nice goal. Must be the slowest winger partnership in the league. That is a problem for and them. If they're going to play counter-attacking on people as well, that, that is a huge problem. But we knew this about both these before they signed them as well. And Oli was literally playing, I mean, a better counter-attacking game than Ten Hag's been playing. Mm. And still, they tried to make it work. Now, last thing on this, Ten Hag said Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't brought on versus Man City out of respect for his career. Who wants to jump in here? Jack, you got anything to say? I, I, what? As in, he didn't. They just respected him too much. To bring him on at four 0 down. I think. I mean, there's truth to that statement. I think 
I reckon he could have had a Tevez moment of Ronaldo. <laughs> you've uh, you've made your bed here. It's not my fault, mate. It. I'm not having it. Yeah, and I, I'd love to have seen him come on and just do his um, end of the the kind of ritual end of the game, shake of the head and run straight down the table. <laughs> Did you see away. the comparison <laughs> with that to that gym meme with someone saying when, when you don't manage to lift the weights and you shake your head yeah. because people know yeah. you usually can lift this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. I mean, I, people saying that they, he would have made any difference to that result. I don't know. I, no. There, there isn't. No. He's a 38-year-old Ronaldo. He is going to poach goals in the box. That's all he's doing. He's not... He shouldn't be looking to a 38-year-old, even yeah. if it is Ronaldo, <laughs> to be winning new games. So, it's just... Uh, I think it's just a horror move back because people remember him for what he was and that's he not what to he Chelsea. is. The, 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 the closest I have to that gym meme is when I'm on the coach to Arsenal. And I wake myself up snoring and I always do like a little laugh so people know that I know <laughs> that they've seen me snoring. Like, you've not got a joke over on me. I'm in on the joke too. I did it on purpose, actually. <laughs> well, you've been there hearing that snoring on a coach. So, you know, it can be. I'm not sure my laughing made you feel any better. I'm not sure it convinced anybody. It's like something like Jurassic Park and then you just laugh at it. It doesn't, doesn't count. <laughs> I thought Roy Keane embarrassed himself in the studio after this as well when he was being asked about Ronaldo. Cucking for his mate, wasn't he? Just keep saying, what is this new buzzword pressing? What what does that mean? <laughs> and I'm going, I, I don't think I've ever had an issue with a striker that scores 30 goals before. What if he's not scoring 30 goals and he's still on the pitch? When Chelsea came in for him, and I understand it's Chelsea, they should have said, thank you very much. And they probably could have got a decent fee out of Chelsea as well. Upwards of 20 million, I imagine. Yeah, I reckon we would have paid it. That is, it just seems daft to have not let him go, but not play him. That's the only, that's the only sympathy I can have for him. No, no sympathy. Agreed. (laughs) It's the only sympathy I can have because if they didn't let him go, why have they kept him on the bench? He is literally doing nothing there and he's just, picking up a paycheck mm. and the more games that he misses the more pissed off he'll get so when he does That's play I want to see and I, I loved I, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing them play someone in the third round of the FA Cup and start well they start him in the Europa so good yeah, yeah. do they um, Alex last thing before we move on to Liverpool and then Chelsea how good did you think Haaland's hat-trick was or was it a case of United being particularly bad um it's hard to not look at all three of those goals and say how classy they are. Um, I, I think it's I, I I think he's a real deal. I think he's absolutely superb, and I thought the hat trick was sublime. I I think ironically, it's a you know this United team were going into this match with a little bit of confidence and a little bit of belief. I, I do think he just did a job in shutting that out very very quickly. It was like just a slaughter really, and I don't. You know, we've seen a lot of quality in the Premier League in the past, but you know, I don't think it's just an aura of just certainty about him at the moment. Uh, like, I mean, he's nine. What? How many goals away now is he from the Golden Boot last season? Like nine goals, and there's like I think it's eight. Eight goals left, and there's God knows how many games left this season. You know, 
I thought he just seems like every single chance that all three of those balls when they fell to him, I, I just it was just there. I, I I didn't doubt that it wasn't fine in the back of the net. Yeah. Just the sheer power that he moves through those players with. He I, I've, he makes he makes these some of these centre backs disregarding the disregarding the Hobbit. He makes <laughs> some of these centre backs look like they're standing still, and that there was never any hope, <laughs> never never any hope of them actually getting a like landing a challenge on him that's going to stick. Do you I, think? I just I, I think he's just he just seems to guide. You know, like I, I mean, he, it's different. It's different because it's like it's a it's a stronger kind of movement, um, but it, it's kind of. I remember when Gareth Bale was sort of there like we go. Move, he, he moved a bit <laughs> more. No, just where he just sort of just move with the ball, and it's just like how is nobody tackling him? When I'm looking at Haaland, I'm looking at him it's like I like I think if he, like I don't think I even if you had a clean opportunity to tackle him, I don't think. I don't think I could win the ball still. No. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is about being it. that it's big and strong and that quick. Rising. It's just not fair. Do yeah, think... it's just like if I if I went in with a double footed jacket challenge on him, I feel like I would come out worse. Yeah, like going into a car. The... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I th- I think there is. I don't as much as it's nice to dunk on United and say how bad they were defensively and how open they were. I I, you know. He took his opportunity and he was absolutely superb at the weekend. Pleasure to watch him. Do you think I spurred on both him and Foden, TK? Why did you spur him on? Well, I said I wouldn't take him at Arsenal over Hazy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And I stand by you, that. You, you stand by. How many North London derby goals is Harley? Yeah, it's true. He hasn't, has he? He's been, uh, it's been glaring how silent he's been in those North London derbies. A change in the guard this weekend, by the way. Richarlison, a bigger boo than Sun when they both went off. That was a nice moment for him, then. As a new public enemy, number one. Bastard. Um, Liverpool three, Brighton three. Oh, good. A hat-trick from Leandro Trossard secured a point for new manager Roberto De Zerbi in his debut match as manager of the club. The biggest tragedy here is my Denzel joke. Not one single like on it, and still recovering from that but the focus was all on Trent coming into this game TK <laughs> and I saw a tweet at half time saying that his fail comp for the match was going to break the internet <laughs> how much was he at fault for a start that saw you 2-0 down early on yeah he's definitely partly at fault um, <laughs> you you knew once Klopp did that uh, press conference speech about him which is really good and it's always good when you get a manager like him that gives you some sort of breakdown explaining it was uh is always good but uh but it did mean that you knew Trent was having a howler the next game and his touch for obviously for that one goal is just it can happen it's not like you know I, I don't think it's like the worst mistake ever but it's just with it being him and the start of the season he's had it was oh it all unraveled very quickly for us better defenders have been harried and harassed out of possession by Danny Welbeck who seems to have had a new lease of life, by the way. Well, I was running it back. If if he had a better end product... He'd be back in that England squad. Well, I think just throughout his career, like, we'd be... Because he has everything that, in terms of physicality, pace, misses that a little bit. Flip side, though. Don't has he him over Van Isteroy. Yeah, me. The flip side, has he, you know, got a lot out of not a huge talent? You think he's had yeah. a... The career he's had, he's done incredibly well uh, for himself. For one week, I heard Thierry Henry comparisons when he got a hat-trick against Olympiacos. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, 
so Klopp's side now sit ninth in the table, 11 points behind leaders Arsenal, which is a nice cushion coming into Sunday. Um, he said to BBC Sport after, Brighton are a really good football team and a real team. It was a different formation. We were surprised a little bit, but we were already 2-0 down when we adapted from that. We scored our goals, which were the counter-attacks. We could have won, but would we have deserved to win? I'm actually not sure. Brighton deserved something. Now, Trossard banged a hat-trick on the day. Welbeck looking threatening. They they look like Graham Potter leaving. It's old news already. Um, I assume you probably watched it closer than any of us. I was listening on the radio, enjoying it. What did you make of their performance? Do you think outstanding individuals or some of their parts? Mm, it's, a good, it's a good question. That's, they are they are both, don't aren't they? They're well coached, um, but with enough individual quality and sprinkles on the game where they can make a difference. They at this point they're still Potter's team, so I didn't expect to see too big a shift. And obviously, it looks like the new manager coming in is going to be more of the same. He looks like a really good coach. He looks a character. Yeah, as well. yeah. So it looks. I think I imagine a bit of time working with him, you'd have had, they didn't need a new manager bounce, but probably a little bit of that, just something different, probably adds to it. Um, so it's hard to tell at this point. I think it's, as I said, it's still Potter's team. It's not like there's been a situation where Potter's left and there's been any sort of decline. So you knew they were going to be a tough game, but I think to be 2-0 down in the way we were was, I'm not going to say I was expecting that. Because we keep hearing that Liverpool need a reaction. Is Arsenal maybe the best team to play as you can't not be up for it. You've got a good record against us and ultimately it's not Man City. Yeah, that's that's one school of thought. Um But like if you when we had our bad run, even just last season, we had Man United and Chelsea back to back, and it was like the players there's no confusion there. They know they have to do it. Arteta was on the brink of the sack. He got to play Chelsea at home. Yeah. Chelsea's done a lot for us actually. Did you solid? So this is this is one of them where surely if you're going to raise your level, this is going to be it. Yeah, I I think the players have known they need a reaction. No, I I don't think they can get a reaction out of themselves, and so that's a bigger problem because I've and it'd be a huge problem against Arsenal if they carry on playing the way they have been. If Liverpool look as sort of lethargic as they have done in these games, then they're in huge huge trouble in that game. So your your pressures in the final third, you were the league leaders last season by way, way, yeah. way out in front. This season, I think you sit around 11th. What is the difference? Because in terms of purely a physical perspective, swapping Mane for Darwin Nunes doesn't make too much of a difference there. In fact, Nunes, um, not Nunes, sorry, um, Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz, if anything, is probably going to be running just as much if not more. Like what, what's changed in this whole system because the pressing from midfield isn't the same? What, what do you put it down to? They do look physically spent. Each game would be an outrun. The stats reflect that. Um, and obviously, if that's a big part of your game and you can't do it, that's huge. And each game, they do look battered. They look like a team that's not just had a long season, obviously, with last year with all the competitions. But it looks like they haven't had a break in between. And I think I've touched on it before, that there was some speculation amongst fans online that they felt the pre-season had just been too gruelling and they got it wrong. Whilst I would always go with Klopp and the medical team on that, knowing better than people online, 
yeah. it looks like it when you when you watch the games these players just don't look physically able to do it and I don't really know how you ever rectify that at this point bearing in mind we've obviously just come off a form of a break not everybody was in international duty yeah um, obviously a, a game postponed with uh, old Lizzie dying and Friend didn't play yeah and we've we've got a situation where they still look they still look physically battered and maybe there's some mental mentally as well because I imagine getting yourself up for that last year and then feeling a bit flat even though you come out with two trophies is uh, I'm sure it probably all does have an effect but at some point if it's a mental thing you'd think you have to snap out of it but physically I don't really know where you go from here and again because there hasn't been huge amounts of reinforcements particularly in midfield I don't really know what you need to change it Do, do you have any worry that Salah's pulled an Ertzil with his contract two goals in seven games so far this season not really I thought actually in terms of really early on I thought he looked sharp and his movement was good um, in the earlier games of the season and I think he's kind of as he can do he's kind of played himself out of form all it does is a few missed chances here and there and suddenly he doesn't look as much of a threat and it looks like he's thinking about it a lot more and people will always talk about it even if he goes one game without a goal so he looks like he's sort of played himself out of form rather than, I'll sign your new contract, I'm going to quit. But obviously, as time goes on, if he can't lift his performance, <laughs> it's going to look like that. Did, did he mean the assist for Bobby? Good question, I don't think so. <laughs> I thought he did, but maybe I'm giving him a lot yeah, of Yeah, I'm not sure. It's You've got, Salah's an issue this season, Darwin Nunes we're about to speak about, and Trent is obviously the other one. Now, Liverpool fans, as you should, have defended Trent for as long as they possibly can. Are you at the point now where you're worried about him going into games? Like you're going to have Martinelli up against him. No, that does scare me. On yeah. Sun on Sunday, um, talent of the century. Exactly. <laughs> is 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 there a fear there, or is it? It's he's going to come good because I think Klopp's right. He isn't a bad defender. He wouldn't be as far as he is without being a a, a semi decent defender. But are you, when we go into this game on Sunday, is, is he one of the first things on your mind? Yeah, he's. if you're Arsenal, you're going, right, we're going at him the whole time, aren't you? Um, I thought I thought Klopp's answer, though, was the answer is that the, the payoff has to be that going forward, he's giving you something. And defensively, he's got to be a little bit better than he is now. But he's not doing either of those things. He's defending worse than he's ever defended. And he's not giving us quite the same going forward either. So it's not like, you know, he's just, people are still talking like he's playing an elite fashion going forward, but not defending. He's yeah. not really getting either angle right at the minute. And it is a lot like the whole team looks a lot like it was in the behind closed doors year, where everything just looked in effort. Even in the games we won in that year, it, was like, it didn't look convincing. It's just, we just got over the line. That's what it's been with our game so far. The Bournemouth one aside, everything, even when we have picked up a result, it's been either some good fortune or just about grinding it out. The, the analytics show that the most common pass played in the final third by opposition teams against Liverpool is a diagonal between the right centre-back and Trent. Makes a lot of sense. Now, I've been getting cooked for the last 36 hours for a clip saying I'd take Van Dijk over Vidic, and I stand by that. But... Always one of the least outlandish things from that pod, to be honest. <laughs> Escape the Harry <laughs> Maguire, Thiago Silva show. Mm. Is 
there an argument, and it's something we've touched on before, that if Van Dijk is the defender that we know he is, should you not be stepping across? I'll I'll be the right centre back, and I'll I'll step in alongside Trent. What is there a reason we've not seen that? Well, I don't. I think if someone's been the consensus best in the world in his position at that period, I don't think you change it. Um, and normally, when Matip can get a few games under his belt and doesn't get injury, fingers crossed, he normally does end up filling in okay there. Sometimes it goes a bit awry when you get Gomez there. So Gomez and Trent can be a, a pretty lethal cocktail. So if you can get an established guy in a, a, the right side, I don't think you have to shift Van Dijk across. It's, that's been a problem for us. And same with, you know, when Kanati's been able to put a run together, he's normally filled in pretty well. But it's when we end up having to rotate that position, I think we end up having more and more problems, which probably doesn't help with Trent. Not a natural defender, probably does need someone next to him more regularly, more consistently. So I think that's been part of the problem. But, you know, Trent is also finding himself in um, a weird sort of Harry Maguire situation where every yeah. single problem at this team is just being reduced to Trent. I think I wish it was just Trent because there's just so many issues in this team at the minute. And one of the big ones that isn't really getting highlighted is that Fab hasn't been able to do anything like the levels he, we know he can hit. And so there's no protection for that back four at all. There's been individual errors in the, the defence as well. The amount of times you're just thinking there's just wave upon wave upon attack, no defence is going to be able to stand up to that if you have a midfielder that's that, that easy to play through. And we were against Brighton, for example. He was getting cooked on Twitter last night. I don't know if you saw it. That. Was, it was like a, a collective awakening. He's been no, he's, he's been grim um, to start this season. Towards the end of last year, but he looked the most like a guy who was playing in four competitions. He looked physically done. He's never got going his, this season. His misses came out on behalf of both of them and showed support for that uh, Bolsonaro that Neymar did as well. It's uh, not and helpful. That was like, um, I think the people that were on the edge, particularly um, overseas. Yeah, his, his name was trending for quite a while last night. And then... <laughs> I mean, I think I saw him get referred to chicken legs more than I don't know. Is he like subconscious about his legs? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's also a fascinating one, isn't it? So, if if he was back in a far right leader but playing really well, is that okay? Is that oh, well, <laughs> he's a really good holding midfielder? Uh, probably the worst this season is uh, Joe Gomez. Like his his stock is plummeted. I was say drop like it's hot. That feels cheap in an episode in which I've come out with some. Uh, that's such high-level stuff but... we had in this episode. You wouldn't want to spoil it, <laughs> would you? Yeah, some, some. I think um, I may need to have some crowd noise in for. Uh, disgracefully uh, underreacted, but <laughs> but yeah, him. He's probably thinking things could have been a lot better for me if I, if I was a left centre back this season. It's tricky though, because then. Would we just end up going, would Robertson's form maybe dip because he's got Gomez next to him? Would people start tying us down that <laughs> flank? Plus going after Trent and right back and you just have Van Dyke just kind of running around on his own. Who knows? The comparisons to Reese James have just insulted Trent that much. That he's taking it uh, very personally. Now, Darwin Nunes came on to play nothing but Makeda minutes on Saturday afternoon. Klopp said, of course he's still adapting. New players come in. Everybody talks about them. And yesterday we had a long talk with Pep because my Spanish or Portuguese is still not better. We just told him we're completely calm. It's really important in our situation now that he's not starting to worry and he's not he's not looking like he's worrying or whatever. 
Now, they came out and said that he had a calf issue, which I'm not sure if you bring him on if that's the case, mm. but are you getting worried about him? Uh, I remember about five games in with Nicolas Pepe where he had a flashy debut, a Sabios type. He had a couple of roulette spins and all of this. But even if you don't say it out loud, you start to say to yourself, hmm, <laughs> there could be something yeah. funny going on here and Jack's probably got plenty of experience with That this. was a wry last <laughs> I, I was just... <laughs> I was just about to jump in and say, I think that's pretty much every single sign. As soon as he sees that number nine, like, should have been Paul Dodge. I said, like, oh, I'm not sure about this one. Yeah. Bernard actually had a decent start. Hey, Morata charmed you with that. Was it Stoke? Who won the other? Look, was Morata it three headers right, or two headers? Yeah. 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 So did Shamak. Was <laughs> Morata scored like 13 in eight games and then just didn't score from there on we out. The XG catches up with you. I was trying to tell Spurs fans and they would not listen. The XG always <laughs> Don't catches up the with XG. you. And Gabriel Jesus has got a boatload that he's owed. So we're going to be clear. How worried are you, TK? Because when I start seeing the pictures online of him being compared to a bin bag because of his top knot, it's looking spooky. <laughs> Still strangely a notch above Andy Carroll's I, I, bin bag. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen too many photos of him with Photoshop jeans and Tim's on. To- yeah, did you see the Liverpool fans... <laughs> <laughs> celebrating a shot on target in training. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, yeah, I did see that. So, yeah, now because there was one yeah. horrible miss, wasn't it? And I was like, okay, now show when, this one. When the yeah, miss, people have to defend it. Going, it was actually a cross, by the way. It was a cross. That yeah, got wrong. Like, that's not helping. That's not helping <laughs> at all. Um. Yeah, Tika, how are we feeling? Well, look. I mean, I was worried when we signed him. So there is nothing about this situation that has reassured me because if I was nervous anyway not a lot has happened I mean look he fucked it for himself with that red card didn't he it's kind of killed any yeah. sort of momentum he could have gained um, it's I not I think he starts Sunday by the way I've yeah maybe maybe I, I think you probably do I think you potentially risk losing him mentally if you don't because you've got to start trusting him at some point I mean it's nice that Firmino started hitting some goals but we basically decided we were done with him a couple of years ago and now we're going, yeah. Bob, could you fancy doing it again for us? That's not a good sign. That's not a sign of progress, is it? I'm hoping Darwin can end your jotter in training or something because the fact that he's been fit and not playing means you're saving him for something. <laughs> and I can only imagine what you're saving well, him Well, he supposedly had a knock as well. I mean, him, Diaz okay, and Nunes okay. all had knocks, hence why they were all on the bench. Fight club at Melwood. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they were doing. But uh, yeah, hopefully Jotter can get his obligatory against you because this... This could be a tough game. Have have we got past blaming everything on um, Pep Linder's book? <laughs> yeah, he's, he gave away trade secrets, didn't he? Same as everyone's uh, pointing out that look, look, teams have realised if we play a high line, like, like we've just started doing that. <laughs> like when I saw the picture of him with his book with the um, Drake bench players talking like starters, I hate it. <laughs> And he's just getting flamed online. But I will say it is an odd thing to do a book whilst you're still yeah. in a job doing this. Thing. I don't even like those um, managers' voice things when the manager's still there at the club. No. He was the one who did that, wasn't he, for the Barca game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. After the event, it's 
really interesting insight, but whilst you're still in it, I'm not sure yeah. that's so good. But I don't think that's the be-all and end-all of our issues. No, you fought back from two goals down again. Unfortunately, you do then concede at the other end. Um, I was going to say already, it's great to see Welbeck doing so well. Not nice to see Trossard talking about joining Potter at Chelsea. What the hell's that all about? <laughs> He, he was asked this. when he was on international duty about whether Graham Potter joining Chelsea means that potentially they could come in for him. And he basically said, well, yeah, I mean, Chelsea are a really big club. If, <laughs> if, if, they, were, if they were interested, of course, I, of course I'd move there. Like, Hang on a minute. You, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to say, oh, wow. look. I'm happy where I am. Um, yeah, my future, I don't get involved in that. <laughs> of course. Of course, yeah. I want to play at the highest level I can. It would be great if we could do that with Brighton, whatever you want to say. But I do enjoy geez, that. Louis. Players do still think they can go on international duty to say what they want. Like, <laughs> it's always to the, the local it, media. Like, you won't get, you'll never get back. Don't worry, it's fine. It's crazy. It's like the lads are going into Casa Ramor and Love Island. <laughs> They'll never find out. They'll never know. Well, that's usually where you get the transfer news, isn't it? Because they, they just weirdly say to like a local journalist, yeah, yeah, that moves up. We're in talks <laughs> at the moment. It should, it should be close. <laughs> Um, let's move on to um, Palace, Chelsea and Potter set up in a back four. Koulibaly was the casualty. Thiago Silva struggled. Let me not speak on that because the Oracle. Again. <laughs> Potter, this was his first Premier League game for Chelsea. He started a back four of Reese James, Wesley Fofana, Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell. Now, in the Champions League, he fielded a back three of Cucurella, Silva and Azpilicueta with Sterling and James at wing-back. Was the back four a case of needs must with the onus in the camp, Jack, or do you think this is actually something he's going to try and go for moving forward? I think he's going to go with the back four. However, I mean, if you look at the way he played at Brighton with... It's almost like inverted wing-backs, and that's how that's he tries to play against Salzburg, because... Yeah, because we were there just trying to figure out in the stands like what position we actually played next. When we had the ball, it was four. And when we didn't, it was like a lopsided three. It didn't seem quite joined up. But it's apparently to give as much width as humanly possible. And then we almost have like the centre-back filling in these overlapping inside roles, a bit like Sheffield United and the world. That's again. Um, so you kind of get like a dicto facto it's in fact a kind of like back four as well. I mean, I like the ingenuity and I like that we're not so rigid and we can play these different shapes. I think he is probably going to, I think we're best in a back four if we can get that defence tight, mainly because we are no good going forward with a back three because you're leaving way too much up, like pressure on the shoulders of the people playing inside forward. So I just can't, I can't see us carrying on with a system that, ultimately got took or sacked because we were just creating nothing um yeah i think we will go to a back four i think there's been plenty of uh time <laughs> just well. farted up what's going on here what's going on here what, someone's just farted i haven't farted but <laughs> i don't know what it was but i definitely haven't <laughs> Well, yeah. Alex, I've I think been, he's blaming you if I stick. Well, I've been on mute for God knows how long now. So, Could you, is that because you were having a shit or? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I plugged my phone in, but I didn't do a fart. <laughs> yeah, go, We've only got his word for that, Jack. Go, going back, 
Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not taking it. <laughs> there's no, there's <laughs> nothing that not rhymes as well with uh, Sean Toot either, so I think yeah. you are struggling there. <laughs> anyway, I think what the main problem we've got is we've got Ben Chilwell that's coming off the back of a really bad injury. He's shown flashes of like brilliance, like especially in that West Ham game. There's plenty of times yesterday where we created space for him to pass into to bypass the midfield, and we're still in this horrible trail of thought of no putting the ball roll it back inside and then pass it back to the center back that is just killing us and has been for the last year and we need to we don't we're not proactive we're not aggressive with our passing we don't try and force the issue and that's why we don't create anything um but yeah it's a, in short yes i think we probably just no, want to go the back four all the talk around this game bases around one incident Crystal Palace manager Patrick Vieira says that Chris Kavanagh got it wrong in his decision not to send off Thiago Silva. Um, The 46-year-old defender got involved in a situation with Jordan Ayew. (laughs) Come on. When he's in a back four, he ages. He, He essentially gets shoved to the floor and it's probably a similar type of challenge in the... Erdegaard Bruno one in where if the ref just blows a foul I think we probably complain but we don't have too great of a issue with it in the moment but he doesn't and so we play on to the point where Thiago Silva doesn't just nudge it with his arm (laughs) he slaps the ball away I don't know what the hell is going through his senile mind well it works (laughs) yeah and then so he gets away with a booking. Vieira says, it was difficult for me to understand. He said, with Thiago, it's something I don't want to talk about. It's difficult for me to understand it, to accept it. So it's better sometimes to be quiet and not talk about it. I believe the referee got it wrong. And if I say what I think, I'll be in trouble. So I'd rather not talk about it. I I genuinely think, I was I was at England, uh, England Germany, and there's been a couple of times where it happened there where a player gets shoved to the floor and then yep. they grab onto the ball to make the ref make a decision, essentially. Um, and I was, I was sat there thinking there, just sooner or later, this is going to go wrong. And it, it almost did for us. And I genuinely think the only reason why he's given him a yellow card here is because he thinks he should have given a foul, but didn't. And he gets to VAR though, so the only that's, way the, that's the thing. So. Yeah, I know. Because I, what, what I don't get now is the fact that, like you said, he goes to VAR, he sees him not slap <laughs> at once, but twice. And then comes away from that screen thinking, nah, yellow's because, fine. Because if you were watching I, at home, I, Jack, I just, that's one of those where you wouldn't even like wonder what the ref's going to say after you've seen the replay. You'd be pretty sure that you know what you're about to see. I, I think it's one of those where he thinks he should have given a foul. Yeah, that's, didn't, that's definitely it, isn't it? Now he and now but does that affect what the VAR says? Cowers everyone. Well, what I'm saying is, is that if it, what what I'm saying is, if there definitely wasn't what he thought was a foul to start with, that's a red. And it's like if you take that out of context, if you just see the kind of the slow mo of him slapping the ball without knowing how he got to the floor. You're there saying that is a red card. You can't have Jordan Ayew doing your dance so, like that. That is just out of order. <laughs> I mean, the problem is, is that Thiago's playing so well for us, but then he was at fault for the Salzburg equaliser. We can't play in a back four. Back before the break. We've seen this. Get, 
and Callum, Callum Rob, someone is going to sign Callum Robinson in January just to play against him in a back four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't believe it wasn't a red. I think it should have been a foul prior, but the fact that it wasn't meant. And then in like the law minutes, of so football, as soon as there's a controversial decision about you, obviously you're then going to get the assist yeah. for, or you're going to be involved in the next goal. And yeah. Silva knocks it down. Aubameyang on the turn. Bottom corner. Obama who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'll let your girl. Absolutely. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we've been missing. And I'm hoping we see more of it because just basic striker instinct. He was getting about, wasn't he? Of doing, doing exactly, yeah, just doing exactly that. Like, there's been so many times where that that exact ball has fallen to either Havertz or whoever else we've had been playing there, and they'll just try and control it because their confidence is short or they haven't got the experience of just being a striker. I guess that's what happens when you do play someone up there who is used to putting the ball. Oh, in not the for a while, he's not been. Wait till uh, you hear Reese James start saying swag, 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 and you'll think, oh Christ, we're done for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a goal on his yeah, league. Fair league. play. Um, Conor Gallagher then scores a banger to win it. And just from listening on the radio, they described it as out of nowhere. Um, can he start moving forward? Is there room for him in Graham Potter's system? Moving forward, yeah. I think that's why we'll play four at the back to allow three in midfield. I think Mason Mount's best position is like a forward eight. And I think Gallagher would, would, does well there as well. I like. The thing is with the Tuchel system and the five at the back system that we were playing prior to Potter's arrival, it absolutely favoured nobody. It didn't make our midfield look any good. It injured Kante pretty much every game because he's trying to cover up Jorginho's failings. And then we weren't creative enough in the front three to make it work. The only times it worked was when we had Reese James and Chilwell firing on both cylinders, but even then we didn't have a striker to cross it into. So that's... Well, I think Conor Gallagher can be a big part of this team moving forward because he's quite mobile in a three-person midf- three midfield. And that's what we're lacking. Like Back in the day where teams used to sit in against us, when you had the likes of Essien, Balak, Lampard, etc., Drogba, that could just fire one in from outside the box to beat that low block, it makes the defence think again. You know, it's not... Usually against Chelsea, if you sit in, nothing's coming in from outside the box. So you just sit in... Take up all the space, and, and you now it's you doing the sitting in. Right. And now it's you doing the sitting Let's in again. <laughs> what from from against? Not just in Palace, general. That's just a uh, Chelsea ball. <laughs> Chelsea ball. No, Chelsea ball is having all of the ball. And doing nothing <laughs> Do you with not it. think Chelsea ball? It and reeks of insecurity. The fact that Reese James can't make a tackle without Chelsea fans tweeting, Trent can't do this. <laughs> I think we are in an age of Twitter where these fans aren't your usual people. They're these, I mean, there's been, there's a comedian that describes uh, English NFL hey, fans on me and TK do NFL going, segments most weeks. <laughs> I, I know you do, but that's how I see like, like a broad football fan where it's just too much. It's too intense. If, if they've done something decent, it's like out of this world. If done something slightly bad, they should be stoned mm. to death. It's just such a weird want... time that we live in. I think Reese James 
is a more competent defender. And I think his end output isn't as good as Trent's, but it's getting there. But it's because we don't have the strikers putting away the crosses. And then you take Benjamin White over both. As well as numbers don't if play. you do want an example of probably how a football fan should be, if you at Jack J Harper... <laughs> oh God! What? <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> I don't no. want to know. No, you're you're editing hey, that out. Hey. Otherwise, I'm dropping some. Baby yeah, stuff. exactly. On that note, it's your destruction, man. Well, fortunately, <laughs> yeah. I'm the one with the editing tool. <laughs> with uh, yeah, you can get yourself back on mute. Before we move on, if you be sure to tune into Movie Madness at the end of this week, we've got Gone Girl up against the Big Short. We've got Goff's debut on Movie Madness. Big week. I'm missing the Europa League for it. Thursday league, Thursday night football. Be sure to be there. This Saturday, then, we have Chris Eubank Jr. and Connor Ben squaring off after nearly 30 years from when their fathers blessed Britain with one of its greatest ever rivalries. The pair have been pretty much right at the front of the spotlight from the moment they stepped into the pro game. I think a few people mentioned them facing off against each other, but it was largely ridiculed by anyone that actually realised what weights they were in. Um, and we certainly didn't expect it to be at this stage, maybe in like a Khan Brook situation where you've squeezed every penny you can out of the game and then we make some kind of freak show fight. But the two guys typically are like two weight classes apart. They've agreed to a catch weight of £157. Ben, usually a welterweight, is adding £10 to his frame, while Eubank Jr. will clock in at his lowest ever weight since he was a teenager. So, TK, if we put the price of the pay-per-view aside, Oof, that hurts. how are you feeling about this one? Because I think if the fight hadn't been made and we were just talking about it, we'd probably shit on it. But now it's actually this weekend. How are you feeling? It's definitely got that big fight feel to it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, how the zone do with that obviously as you said that price is uh not the most attractive if they're trying to get new subscribers that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult whereas if this was on sky you'd be thinking we've got an absolute monster on our hands here um yeah it's you're right to say that anyone who's even suggested it tended to get laughed at and ridiculed including Callis Island who obviously has played a part in making the fight so that's a win for him but it's I was thinking earlier it's the biggest, most excited I've been for a fight that I'm pretty confident I know how it goes. <laughs> it's it's a weird one. So they did announce today that it's going to be available on your traditional pay-per-view platforms like your Virgin Media live events, Skylight. It's remarkable that they considered that such a win. It's like, you should have got this in place well, a long time before this and certainly on the fight week. It's still not up. I just had a look then. Mm. And something that, probably tells you a lot they've been quite fearful about revealing the price of this in mm. any of that marketing yeah so i do think that is gonna have a big a big point to play in terms of how big the fight feels i'm sure i'm gonna have at least 71 people message me around <laughs> half nine on saturday saying you got a stream mate no no i bought it but do you and we're gonna go through this whole thing again i thought 
from the start as I'm assuming when you say you're pretty sure how it's going to go, that's because you think Eubank Jr. is going to win. Um, you assume correctly. Yeah. There's just that weird sense, isn't there? And I guess that's the beauty of boxing and the beauty of promotion in that you can maybe see Conor Ben winning, but literally just that mental image in your head. There's nothing to back that up. Because I thought Eubank Jr. against Liam Williams showed that for all people say he doesn't have one, he is still able to box, so to speak. Not that he couldn't do that anyway. I think you've often alluded to the fact that was his early days on Channel 5 when perhaps wasn't as exciting as they wanted him to be was when he was boxing. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, We had that kind of uh, uppercut era for him, probably leading up to the <laughs> Billy Joe fight. Yeah. Where there was that clip, wasn't there, of Josh Kelly, and it was like, look at him landing six left hooks in a row. And it was like, well, first of all, probably that shows you the level of the opponent and the guy. The fact the guy hasn't dropped is not a good sign either. Yeah, and there was exactly. the Eubank Junior one. Was it like sixteen uppercuts in the corner? And it was like, I'm not sure <laughs> this is a great advert. No, I was actually at that fight, and uh, people were incredibly impressed. So maybe it did do the job. What is the thinking for this fight being made from? Connor Ben's side of things is it you're just looking at the kind of shark tank of a welterweight division the guys that you would traditionally fight before you get to the belt are a little too dangerous the guys who have the belts they're all taken up and they're plotting this this fight that's probably going to have a rematch clause in there is it just the guys that you consider worth taking you're not able to get in this is the next best thing yeah, because obviously on, on the face of it, if you didn't know what they've been doing with Conor Ben and how he's progressed in fairness, you'd probably look at this as a cash out. You'd probably go, well, look, they've gone, I'm not going to go for the world titles. I'm just going to go for the biggest payday immediately rather than build towards it as they've been doing a, a slow, steady build. And now they've just gone, ah, oh, fuck it, we'll make the big fight for the biggest pot. Um, but then obviously you get into a little bit more. And like you said, you've got two things where, apart from the fact that the world where it's full of killers where you go, well, I may as yeah. well just lose to a guy that's bigger than me and I can use that as sort of my excuse for, well, I wasn't ready for that. Now I can go back to my actual weight division. So you might, you, you know, would you give him more chance against Eubank or Terence Crawford? Yeah. It'd be a also, wouldn't it? Um, and then the second part, and the part that's going to be more of a worry for him, whatever the result on this, is that how can he get those fights anyway at the minute? Eddie talks about these fighters, but most of them with PBC aren't going to be interested in a Conor Ben fight. And so, as much as you can mention the names, how attainable are some of those fights? Whereas this, Eubank's obviously game. So, it's probably more that in both instances, both have options. When you look closely, their options are somewhat limited. Well, Eubank's kind of done the thing, hasn't he, where for the last three, four years, he said... I want a world title fight while acknowledging it then in just about every interview. But if one of these big fights is out there, I'll happily take that instead. And you were talking yeah. about Kel Brook. I think he may have mentioned Amir Khan at one stage, which just felt so unnecessary. <laughs> um, and Billy Joe Saunders and all, all of these other guys. This one is actually the first guy to take him up on it. I think we spoke about the Kel Brook fight and the likelihood of that happening. And we felt, it was quite likely after the Amir Khan win. Mm. 
Yeah. Connor Ben's 21 and 0. It feels a long way from when we were looking at him against, what was it, Cedric Paynord? Was that his name? The yes. kickboxer yes. that we, he was going life and death with and mm. had a favorable decision. He has improved at a rate that we didn't see possible. And even because even when he's beating guys like Chris Algieri at his age, we weren't expecting him to ever be at a point when he was going to beat those guys. This wasn't Paulie Malinaji, Sam Eggington. There was still. Chris Algieri had enough in him that if there was no ability to Conor Ben, he could have boxed and moved around him and done all he needed to do. You yeah, bank- or even carried to a decision. Yeah. Because you know, Algieri's tough and game is nothing else. So. Eubank has looked improved to some degree since partnering with Roy Jones Jr. when you get the kind of uh, imitation parts aside. He says he's training himself for this bout. How much of that's true, we don't know. Just the same as his uh, fast food videos. <laughs> he insists it'll only be at 60% for this fight, which I have <laughs> enjoyed far more than I thought I would. I saw someone point out his entire brand is essentially that the grind doesn't stop. We never stop working. His whole thing used to be he would... I think he lost to Billy Joe Saunders and he posted in the gym the next morning and that was his kind of thing. And so this is quite a flip around. Um, yeah, you, you're watching well, a man with like abs upon abs eating like KFC and cake. It's like, you're not quite convincing me here, boss. Well, at a time when we're talking about characters, Chris Eubank Jr. might be one of the biggest ones we've got in mm. British boxing that isn't necessarily doing a bit like he's not doing the anytime, anywhere, any place. He's not just saying just wild, wild, controversial things for the sake of it. He's just a weird bloke, and he's been that way since we <laughs> since he was uh, younger. His dad obviously is a big part of that. Do you think when they put this fight together, they were expecting a bigger sell from his dad, who? actually today has come out and he's campaigning people not to buy the fight which is which is a flip reverse i mean that's insane isn't it i mean i guess not even being cynical i guess most of us probably read that as again more publicity isn't it just the whole thing if the dad's not around supposedly not keen on the fight maybe that's they thought we'll flip on its head and that's the angle we'll go for at eubank's end in terms of the production, they would have wanted the old man involved, wouldn't they? Of well, his course. dad's talking about brain injuries, and that's not the cell you want. No, true. And obviously, you know, really dark. He obviously referenced the fact that his other son's died. That's not boxing-related, but, yeah. but I mean, pretty. if he was using it as a cell, that's pretty dark. Um, so, yeah, they, they would have wanted Senior involved. He He's probably the biggest character involved in all this, so they would have wanted him selling it. And I don't know if you've watched, uh, they've done two of the no. sort of like 24-7 things. They've actually been pretty good. Um, and obviously Nigel's been pretty involved on the uh, on the Ben side of it, so they would have wanted that from Senior as well, I'm sure. But uh, maybe he'll be involved this week. You don't know. Maybe he'll come round to the idea. Neck his son in the ring again. I've not got past that <laughs> for the Bens. Never going to get past that. Um, so Eubank said, for him, it's a win-win. For me, if I lose to Conor Ben on October 8th, I'm finished. My goal is to fight for a world title in the next year. I can't lose to Conor Ben and then fight for a middleweight world title. It can't happen. And if I win, I most likely won't get the credit for it. All the pressure is actually on me in this fight. I've got a lot more to lose. Pretty remarkably honest. Yeah. <laughs> sort of honesty you don't really get from a fighter during, uh, before a fight. No, because Ben's kind of done the 
I'm not even going to talk about losing because I don't think I'll lose. Yeah. There's been some debate, and I have my opinion on it, as to whether it's more difficult for the fighter coming up or the fighter coming down. In this specific instance, who do you think it will affect more? It'll be harder for Conor Ben uh, once they get in there. I think look, it's not going to be fun for you, Mike, to make that weight. Uh, but I don't think he would have agreed to this and have done all this different, these different gimmicks and stuff actually make me more confident in you, right? Because I don't think he would have done all this if he thought there was any risk. He wasn't going to make weight, that he wasn't going to be good enough. What about the next day weigh-in? That's the thing that concerns me. Yeah, and then there is something a, a little bit dirty about a rehydration cause in there. That it's fair, he said it as such, he said it's fair because you need a leveler for this. Um but, you know, if anything should happen, you're going to look at that rehydration course and go, well, this wasn't like a no. sanctioning body thing. This is you've ended up putting this in there. And hate- we know hydration is obviously the big thing around brain injuries. I hate these and I've always hated it because it's almost like if you're going up, then then go up. Mm. Like there, there yeah. shouldn't need to be a stipulation around it. But then I remember when Amir Khan didn't insist on one for Canelo and then everyone was like, well, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> the difference there, I guess, would be that Canelo wasn't actually coming down in weight to meet him. That's where I think it's a bit fishy. It's almost like, okay, if if it was at 160, then it maybe makes more sense to have one and say, this is the leveler. You can't pile on the next day. The coming down and then not being able to put back on is the only point that, create some question marks and I guess that's ideal when you're trying to promote a fight Eddie says it's the biggest fight he's ever promoted um, how do you think he kept a straight face while saying that <laughs> but again this is a this is an instance where you might go if you did have the Sky Sports machine behind it I think we might get to fight night and think this might be because of the Ben Eubank name it would be, I do think it would be one that they're, everybody's talking about. They probably could have done a stadium. And instead, because of the zone issue, I do think it's going to limit it a little bit. It's still going to be massive. They came out, didn't they, and said they didn't want to do a stadium because essentially they want to push everyone to buy the pay-per-view, which even if they hadn't, the fact they didn't book a stadium, I knew that anyway. Just hearing you say it and gloating about mm-hmm. I thought that was odd. Yeah. Like, same as I don't think they did. But if they'd gone, wow, we just hiked the prices up in the tickets on, on there because uh, we're in a small venue, you'd have felt uncomfortable with that. So just before we um, close this out and we'll do something about the actual uh, finished, well, the, the results, <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. Um, what is your prediction? Do you think he stops Conor Ben or not? Yeah. Yeah, I think middle rounds, to be honest. Um, yeah. And is that I think, beat down or is that just him weighing on him? I think Ben will come out like a train. I think maybe because of the occasion as well, it's probably going to get to him more in terms of that feeling pumped and up for it. And I think he'll probably have the first couple of rounds where you think, oh God, he, he might be able to do this because he'll, Eubank, it's not like he can't be hit. Um, I think he'll look sharp, but I think you're going to have to throw the kitchen sink and more at Eubank in it. The thing is, basically, I would have needed to have seen some vulnerability from Eubank at some point in his career, and you've never really even seen him badly hurt. And that's with bigger men, bigger punches. If someone like Groves can't get you out of there, I don't see that Conor Ben can. 
and the same with and that's where we say about the, the bigger man is gonna he's gonna start to weigh on Conor Ben I think you think people like Groves have said how how strong Eubank is like even just in clinching so if they're saying that you know, Groves probably had 20 or 30 pounds on him on fight night when they fought then it's going to be a tough tough time for, for Conor Ben I think he'll look sharp for the first couple of rounds and then it's going to get on top of him pretty quickly I with, think you're going to and everyone's going to go well that's, that's what happens with, with the bigger man <laughs> or whatever and even though we knew that going in we are going way back but the initial questions around Conor Ben were his chin after a couple of fights. Yeah. When he was getting dropped. And I don't think we've seen him take one on the chin since. No, I think it's been, whatever you might say about his record, I think it's been conspicuous that there isn't a puncher in there when they've made the quote-unquote step-ups. Because when Even they did, they, prime, put, they brought and a, Van Heerden weren't punches. And they brought a puncher up, didn't they? I forget the guy's name. The guy he had in between those. He went to a decision yes. with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he stank the gaff out, didn't he? Yeah, and he essentially... Vargas, brought, was it? Yeah, and they brought him... No, Vargas was the Amir Khan one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, showing ourselves up here. I'll have a look. I can't remember it being a particularly memorable name. No, because they were fuming that the guy just went on the back for it, didn't Just they? someone that essentially boxing fans are like oh i know his name mm. and a lot of casual people don't so i can uh flex this one um granados that's it yes correct and yeah 21 8 and 3 record 15 knockouts and yeah there we go not much, it, i think, not much to say I think about with that. with it you would basically have wanted some of the advantage you has got you'd have just wanted ben to have one or two and so if you was to say all right, they're meeting each other in weight, but this guy's got the more experience. So you go, okay, this, that's a, a level. There's just too many advantages in Eubank's favour. He's the more established. He's the more proven. Stuff a bigger puncher. You know, it's, there's too many things going against him. I think it's a decision where Ben is dropped, but Eubank you think he goes go to points though? Uh, yeah, I think he coasts. I think he coasts late, and he'll probably do a bit of showboating. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if, it goes, if it starts going that way, it's most definitely you will. The undercard stinks for those interested. Um, <laughs> Chloe Watson versus Nancy Franco. Shannon Courtney versus Gemma Roig. Matty Harris versus Chris Healy. Felix Cash versus Connor Coyle. Lyndon Arthur versus TBA. Always good the week before a fight. <laughs> TBA Eubank. gets a lot of big fights. <laughs> Harlem Eubank versus David Martin. Galalia Fire versus Gohan Rodriguez. Mary Romero versus Ellie Scottney. And then Chris Eubank Jr. versus Conor Ben. But when you have a fight that's going to make the nation come to a standstill, that's what you can do, I suppose. But I think that just about does us for this week. So uh, we'll get on to the fight next week. Thank you for everyone for tuning in for another edition of the Spitballing Pod. And we will be back. Thank you.